Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, this is David Armstrong. If you're listening to this podcast, you are almost certainly aware that the longest-running show in Broadway history, The Phantom of the Opera, recently announced that it will close this coming February, 35 years after it opened on Broadway. In New York, Phantom has been seen by nearly 20 million people and has grossed $1.3 billion. That's right, I said billion. Globally, the show has been seen by 145 million people in 42 countries. And since this week marks the anniversaries of both Cats, which first opened on Broadway on October 7, 1982, and Les Miserables, which first opened in London on October 8, 1985, this seemed like the perfect time to bring back episode 28 of Broadway Nation, which is titled Cameron McIntosh and the British Invasion of Broadway, or Sondheim versus the Paparetta. In a recent interview in the New York Times, Macintosh stated that the weekly running cost of The Phantom of the Opera were more than $950,000, which is about $100,000 more than it was pre-COVID. And at the same time, ticket sales have been down 10 to 15% on average. When he was asked why the show was so expensive to run, he went on to say this, and I quote, Many long runners, Cats, Chicago, Chorus Line, even Hamilton, which will be a long runner, they're all single set shows with mostly limited costumes. We've got 27 musicians. It was a different world that Andrew and I created the show in. Most of my great shows were created during the 80s, and that world has disappeared. We are in different times. So today I thought it would be interesting to journey back to those different times with one of my favorite episodes. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Nation, the podcast that tells the extraordinary story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African-Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical and how they changed America in the process. I'm David Armstrong, and I call this episode Cameron McIntosh and the British Invasion or Sondheim versus the Paparetta. As I shared in the last episode, the AIDS crisis had a devastating effect on Broadway. The disease killed off or sidelined practically an entire generation of creative and performing talent, many of them at their prime. During the same period, the Midtown Theater District was hitting rock bottom, in part as a result of the severe financial crisis that had hit New York in the mid-1970s and lingered into the 80s. The streets around Times Square were run down, dirty, and sometimes dangerous. Rolling Stone magazine called West 42nd Street the sleaziest block in America. Many out-of-town tourists and even many New Yorkers did not feel safe walking in the area after dark. I know it's hard to imagine today when prior to the shutdown, the thronging crowds made it feel almost impossible to get from dinner to the show you were seeing on time. But back then, the streets were mostly empty in large part because there were so few shows playing at any one time, and as a result, many Broadway theaters sat dark for months. A phenomenal hit like a chorus line would still bring in the crowds, and every season a show or two of note could persuade audiences to venture into Times Square. But overall, it was not a healthy situation, and it was made even worse by the incredible power of the main critic of the New York Times who could make or break a show. 
This in tandem with some very out-of-date methods of producing and marketing shows proved to be disastrous. Every season, several musicals would open, receive a negative review from the Times, and then quickly close after only a few performances, losing their entire investment in the process. All of this together opened the door for what is now called the British Invasion, a 10-year period when it seemed that shows, writers, directors, designers, producers, and even performers from the United Kingdom had sailed in and taken over Broadway and commandeered America's signature art form. Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Cats is often categorized as the first of the British mega-musicals, but it's really a 1970s-style concept musical. In fact, when you break it down, Cats is a total paraphrase of a chorus line. Using a review-like format, a stage full of dancers, this time pretending to be cats, tell their individual stories to a powerful authority figure as they compete to be chosen and rewarded by him with a chance to move on to the next phase. In a chorus line, that means getting this job dancing on Broadway, and in Cats, it means ascending into the heavy side layer, whatever that is. However, the enormous popularity of Cats in 1978 had demonstrated that Andrew Lloyd Webber was a theatrical force to be reckoned with, even without his former partner, Tim Rice. And in fact, their already strained relationship came to an end when Tim Rice was asked to create a lyric for one song in Cats, the song that eventually became Memory, and then had that lyric rejected in favor of one written by the show's director, Trevor Nunn. Cats also introduced several elements that would become hallmarks of the British invasion. It featured remarkable, cutting-edge technical elements, including innovative scenic, lighting, costume, and sound design, all of which came Came together to create a memorable signature gasp-inducing stage effect, in this case the giant tire that shoots Grizabella into the heavens. And it featured a centerpiece ballad with a lush, grand, expansive, classically inspired sweeping melody for the leading lady to belt into the stratosphere. Perhaps most importantly, Katz demonstrated the effect that modern, global brand marketing could have on the sales and longevity of a Broadway musical. All of those elements would be carried into the trio of spectacular, bombastic Brit hits that dominated Broadway during the 1990s, Les Miserables, Phantom of the Opera, and Miss Saigon. They were all produced first on London's West End before coming to Broadway as much-anticipated pre-sold hits. They all went on to become worldwide sensations, and perhaps most unexpectedly, together they brought the operetta back to Broadway. I guess eventually everything old is new again. The 70s brought back the review and tap dancing, and the late 1980s revived the long-dormant operetta. Let me be your shelter, let me be your light, you're safe, no one will find you, your fears are far behind you. All I want is freedom, a world with no more night, and you always beside me.
Although these British Invasion musicals included some elements of pop-rock flavoring to keep up with the times, their love duets such as Hearts Full of Love from Les Mis, Sun and Moon from Miss Saigon, or this one from Phantom, are virtually indistinguishable from Indian Love Call or Ah Sweet Mystery of Life from Rosemarie and Naughty Marietta. And Les Mis's Drink With Me could have been lifted right out of the student prints. Paparettas, as they are, I think, very appropriately called, all had one other thing in common, producer Cameron McIntosh. He was born in London in 1946. He started out as a stagehand and a stage manager. Then he produced a series of moderately successful shows before he took a chance on a show called Cats. This, of course, became a massive hit and led to a string of successes. And at the height of his success in 1990, he was described by the New York Times as being the most successful, influential, and powerful theatrical producer in the world. Macintosh is most notable as a producer for his transformation of the musical into a true global brand. In 1983, a friend gave him a tape of a concert of a musical version of the Victor Hugo novel Les Miserables by writers Bobil and Schoenberg. The show's lyricist and book writer, Alain Bobil, was born in Tunisia to a Jewish family. He moved to France at age 18 to work in the pop music industry. But then, after seeing Jesus Christ Superstar in New York in 1973, he was inspired to create the first French rock opera, Les Révolutions Françaises. The composer for the piece was Claude Michel Schoenberg. He was born in France to Hungarian Jewish parents. His father was an organ repairer and his mother was a piano tuner. After this initial moderately successful show, the team moved on to write about a different French Revolution. The show was first produced as a concept album and then in concert in a large arena. And that's the tape of the show that Macintosh fell in love with in 1983 and decided to produce after only hearing four of the songs. But Macintosh understood that much work had to be done. The book of the show was very sketchy and in French. It took years of development and the contributions of other writers to fill out the show. Les Miserables opened in London in 1985 to blisteringly bad reviews. The critics called it witless and synthetic entertainment and said it was the reduction of a literary mountain into a dramatic molehill. But the next day, ticket buyers overwhelmed the box office. The people loved the show from the very beginning. Do you hear the people say, singing the song of By opening night in New York, it had the largest advance sale in history, $11 million, double that of Cats. Cameron McIntosh's follow-up show, Phantom of the Opera, also got bad reviews. Phantom of the Opera opened in London in 1986 
and then on Broadway in 1988, and was still running in both cities up to the time of the shutdown. Phantom was composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber, with lyrics by Charles Hart and Richard Stilgo, and it was directed by Harold Prince. Stilgo and Lloyd Webber collaborated on writing the book. Phantom is based on the 1925 silent movie and the 1910 French novel by Gaston Leroux. This was the first of several Beauty and the Beast-themed stories that have been adapted into musicals, such as Disney's Beauty and the Beast, Shrek, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and King Kong. The Phantom of the Opera is the longest-running show in Broadway history, with over 13,000 performances. And the live stage production of Phantom of the Opera has grossed over $6 billion through its productions all over the world. However, recently, The Lion King passed Phantom's success with international box office receipts of over $6.2 billion. This makes these two live theater productions the highest-grossing entertainment products of all time. The third-highest entertainment product of all time is the movie Avatar at $2.8 billion. That puts every other film, TV, or video game below Phantom of the Opera and The Lion King. Lloyd Webber's power and significance was made even more abundantly clear when he became the first composer since his idol Richard Rodgers to have three shows running on Broadway at the same time, Phantom, Cats, and his other paraphrase of a chorus line, this time with dancers pretending to be trains, Starlight Express, which is sometimes referred to as Cats on Skates. Like the operettas of the past, the Brit hits all feature romantic, melodramatic, often tragic storylines and offer very little in the way of comic relief or jokes. And like their predecessors, even the comedy that is included is often not very funny. I agree with our friend Albert Evans when he says that Les Mis's Master of the House is the least funny comedy song of all time. The shows of this era took themselves very seriously, and because of that, they became prime targets for ridicule, especially from the long-running off-Broadway musical review, Forbidden Broadway. At the end of the play, see the audience smolder, sitting flat on their butts for three hours or more. They can't wait to get back home and to read the libretto in bed, to decipher whatever went on. And what we said. Better read the synopsis. At the end of the play. Just as the Weber and Fields burlesque shows had done 80 years earlier, Forbidden Broadway's inspired creator Gerard Alessandrini took the biggest hits of the day and made fun of their grandiose and pretentious aspects unmercifully. There was a time when shows were fun And they used bright lighting And the shows weren't so long And the songs weren't so biting there was a time then it all went wrong. To his great credit, Cameron McIntosh was one of Forbidden Broadway's biggest fans. I dreamed a show in days gone by Where all the scenery looked so pretty I didn't sing one song then die so pretty I did a tap dance and I smiled and pathos wasn't overstated my lips were red my hair was styled I didn't act so constipated but now 
Don't go away. Broadway Nation will be back right after this short break. Hi, this is David Armstrong, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Factor as a sponsor to Broadway Nation this week. This spring, you can eat stress-free with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. You can choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or my personal choice, Vegan and Veggie. You can also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, and beverages that'll help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. If you're looking for gourmet meals, try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. These are no-fuss, no-muss meals, and Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. You simply heat and savor the good stuff. And you can tailor it all to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. And you can pause or reschedule the deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. And we're celebrating Earth Day all month long at Factor, so look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. Here's what you do. Head to factormeals.com BN50 and use code BN50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box. That's code BN50, as in Broadway Nation, BN50 at factormeals.com BN50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Do it now!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 1991, Bobil, Schoenberg, and Mackintosh were back on Broadway with another direct from London hit, Miss Saigon. This time they took the basic storyline of the classic opera Madame Butterfly, which itself had been based on a hit play, and they transposed it into the Vietnam War era. They were inspired by a photo they had seen in a French news magazine that showed a Vietnamese woman bidding a tearful goodbye to her young daughter at an airport during the fall of Saigon. Schoenberg later wrote, There was no way I could predict the impact of this photograph. The little Vietnamese girl was about to board a plane for the United States where her father, an ex-GI she had never met, was waiting for her. Her mother would never see her again. Was that not the most moving, the most staggering example of the ultimate sacrifice as undergone by the title character in Madame Butterfly, giving up her life for her child? You didn't ask me to be born. Should you learn of war or pain To make sure you're not hurt again I swear I'll give my life for you They played tapes of some early songs for Cameron McIntosh, who was a bit thrown. The subject matter was completely unexpected, he later said. It was contemporary, and contemporary musicals don't usually work. And it was on a topic that had brought America to the brink. I had to think about it. Ultimately, he decided to produce the show, he said, despite and perhaps because of the extraordinary challenge that it represented. He suggested that they partner with lyricist Richard Maltby to create the English lyrics. Miss Saigon opened in London in 1989, where it became an enormous hit and where it ultimately ran more than 10 years. You will be who you want to be. When the show was announced for Broadway, a giant controversy erupted. 
Cameron McIntosh intended to bring over the show's two acclaimed West End stars, Leia Salonga and Jonathan Price. Price was the white British actor who played a mixed-race, half-French, half-Vietnamese character called The Engineer. But Actors' Equity Association, the union for professional actors in America, declared that the role should be played by an Asian-American actor and threatened to deny permission for Jonathan Price to work on Broadway. McIntosh was furious and threatened to cancel the entire New York production and all of the jobs that went along with it. After much controversy, Price was allowed to open the show amid protests, and he received the Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical. However, every actor who followed him in that role during Miss Saigon's nearly 10-year run on Broadway, as well as in its many national and international tours and revivals, has been of Asian heritage. Most importantly, that controversy jump-started some very necessary and important debates and conversations in regard to racial equity and culturally conscious casting on Broadway and in the theater at large that we are still grappling with today. As I mentioned earlier, Hal Prince was the director of Phantom of the Opera, and there was one other American still standing and still making a mark during the years of the British invasion, and that was Stephen Sondheim. Strangely, Sondheim shares a birthday with Andrew Lloyd Webber, but in great contrast to Lloyd Webber's bombastic mega-musicals, during this period Sondheim focused on small-scale, artsy concept musicals in collaboration with a new partner, playwright and director James Lapine. These shows felt very sophisticated and modern, even though they employed the traditional Broadway approach of having spoken dialogue book scenes between the songs, and this was in great contrast to the sung-through, continuous music, international-style structure of the British shows. The Sondheim-Lapine musical Sunday in the Park with George was inspired by the French pointillist painter George Seurat's painting A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of Le Grand Jatte. The story of the first act is set in 1884 and revolves around a fictionalized version of the painter George Seurat, who is obsessed with completing his painting, as well as his relationship with his model and lover, Dot. The second act is set 100 years later, and their great-grandson, also named George, is a contemporary conceptual artist struggling to find inspiration for his next work. The Broadway production opened in 1984 and received that year's Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Into the Woods, with music and lyrics by Sondheim and a book by Lapine, intertwines the plots of several classic fairy tales as they were told in early, sometimes gruesome versions by the Brothers Grimm. Into the Woods opened on Broadway in 1987 and won Tony Awards for Best Score and Best Book in the same season that Phantom of the Opera swept most of the other awards, including Best Musical. Into the Woods has been revived on Broadway three times and was adapted into a hit film in 2014, and it's one of the most frequently produced shows by high school theater programs. Sondheim and Lapine's final show, Passion, was adapted from an Italian film, Passion d'Amour, and a novel called Fosca. 
This show is set in 19th century Italy, and the plot concerns a young, handsome soldier named Giorgio and Fosca, his commander's unattractive, sickly cousin, who falls fiercely, passionately, and obsessively in love with him, and pursues him relentlessly. In spite of receiving very mixed audience and critical response, Passion won the 1994 Tony Awards for Best Score, Best Book, and Best Musical. One thing that the Sondheim musicals and the Brit hits had in common was the near-total absence of dancing. Except for Miss Saigon, none of these shows featured significant choreography, and only rarely did they use dance as a storytelling tool. In the mega-musicals, it was the scenery that moved in spectacular ways and assisted in telling the story. This was partly because, as we've discussed, nearly all of the great director-choreographers, Champion, Fosse, Bennett, Joe Layton, Ron Field, and others, had been swept away suddenly by a series of early deaths from AIDS and other causes during the 1980s. This left only Tommy Toon to demonstrate the kinetic power and energy that inspired direction and choreography could instill in a musical. We'll take a glass together in celebration of our meeting. In celebration of our being face to face. Friendly, civilized. Members of the race, I'll drink to you. No, I to you. He demonstrated this vividly through his Tony Award-winning stagings of the musicals Nine in 1982, Grand Hotel in 1989, and the Will Rogers Follies in 1991. We'll take a glass together, and we will lift it to the good life. And as we're lifting it, we will most sincerely say, If you've never seen this number, I encourage you to Google We'll Take a Glass Together from Grand Hotel's performance on the 1990 Tony Awards. There was one American composer who achieved a measure of success by adopting the British Paparetta model, and that was Frank Wildhorn. Born to Jewish parents in New York City in 1959, Wildhorn spent his early childhood in Harlem, the Bronx, and Queens before his family moved to Hollywood, Florida when he was 14. As a teen, he played in and wrote music for several bands that ranged from rock and roll to R&B to jazz. And he continued to write in a wide variety of musical styles throughout his career. He told a reporter, I just love music. I'm a composer. When I work in the theater, I'm a theater composer. When I'm writing for Whitney Houston or Kenny Rogers or Natalie Cole, I'm a pop composer. I've been commissioned by the Bolshoi Ballet to do a full-length ballet, so I'm a classical composer when I'm doing that. I'm just a composer, and depending on the medium I work in, that's what I am that day. But if someone like you found someone like me, then suddenly nothing would ever be the same. His biggest theatrical hit was the 1997 musical Jekyll and Hyde. This adaptation of Robert Louis Stevenson's famous gothic horror novel ran four years on Broadway and featured several international-style songs that have been widely performed. Wildhorn followed that up with the era's only comic paparetta, The Scarlet Pimpernel, 
based on another classic novel. And when his song cycle review-like musical The Civil War opened in 1998, he became the next composer to have three musicals running on Broadway simultaneously, at least for a brief time. Despite their substantial runs, none of his shows became financial successes in New York, but these and a number of other musicals he has written have proven to be very popular in Asia and in Europe. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is David Armstrong, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Factor as a sponsor to Broadway Nation this week. This spring, you can eat stress-free with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. You can choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or my personal choice, Vegan and Veggie. You can also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, and beverages that'll help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. If you're looking for gourmet meals, try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. These are no-fuss, no-muss meals, and Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. You simply heat and savor the good stuff. And you can tailor it all to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. And you can pause or reschedule the deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. And we're celebrating Earth Day all month long at Factor, so look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. Here's what you do. Head to factormeals.com BN50 and use code BN50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box. That's code BN50, as in Broadway Nation, BN50 
at factormeals.com slash BN50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Do it now. Till next time, here's one more number from Forbidden Broadway. I'm Cameron Mackintosh, Napoleon of Broadway. I've produced every new hit show. I'm Cameron Mackintosh, the Emperor of Broadway. But there's something you ought to know. Though I came, I saw, I conquered with my show business finesse And my casting of Miss Saigon put the union in distress It's my marketing of souvenirs That's more of a success Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. If you enjoy these podcasts, you would do me a big favor by subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating and write a brief review. This will really help to get the show in front of other Broadway fans that might be interested. I also invite you to follow Broadway Nation on Twitter, Instagram, and our Facebook page, where I often post photos, video, and additional information about the musicals that are profiled in each episode. Special thanks to KVSH 101.9, the voice of beautiful Vashon Island, Washington, and to the entire team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Sweatshirts and t-shirts and blankets and mittens, whiskers and cat ears and little stuffed kittens, old lame is bodices held up by strings. These are a few of my souvenir things. Records and CDs and vocal selections Cat gloves and cattails from cat vivisections Lloyd Webber dolls and Comb Wilkinson rings These are a few of my souvenir things When the show flops, when the gross drops When a week is slow I market and merchandise souvenir things And grosses don't seem so And chandelier crystals Coffee cups, playing cards Jean Valjean pistols Toy helicopters and turntable springs These are a few of my souvenir things Lame is chocolates Shaped like orphans Patches for your sleeve It costs $100 to come see the show And $100 more to 